0: Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Tuesday, March 8th, 2022. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, all the news from the spring Apple event this afternoon. Google is buying a cybersecurity company. A bunch of crypto security companies band together to protect critical infrastructure. Amazon launches an app to allow anyone to be a DJ. And the arrival of Android 12L. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Tech. By the way, when editing this segment, I discovered I might have transposed gigabit and gigabyte once or twice. I could re-record this whole segment or get it out to you now, and I'm electing to do the latter. You know what I meant. The Apple event this afternoon went by in a rush. Everything came fast and furious, which was welcome. No word about Apple expressing support for Ukraine, which showed admirable restraint, I thought, but for those of you that were playing that particular bingo game, thought I'd note that. iMore was reporting that Apple initially blocked viewers in Russia from watching this product event live stream on YouTube and then unblocked it this morning. Don't know if that is true or not. It's now become common to open with Apple TV Plus shoutouts, and Apple did that again. Consider every Apple event going forward to be like I don't know, the Apple TV upfronts or something. Apple is getting into Pixar-style animation, it seems. I also saw that Henry Cavill is getting his own super spy turn. But the big headliner was that Friday Night Baseball is coming to Apple TV+, two games each Friday. Of course, that assumes there will be a baseball season, Then it was on to the iPhone. Specifically, two new iPhone 13 colors. One is green. A green goblin color, somebody said. Technically, the iPhone 13 Pro gets a slightly different shade of green, but whatevs. Pre-order those this Friday. Then news that the A15 Bionic chip is coming to the new iPhone SE not an iPhone SE 5G. No nomenclature there. It's the same iPhone 8-era design, including the home button, but yes, same chip as the iPhone 13s. And also, look, smaller phone lovers be grateful that Apple is giving you this option still. They claim that battery life on the new iPhone SE is better, and yes, 5G is still coming to this phone as well, even if it's not in the name There are camera improvements. All of this is starting at $429, and it's coming March 18th, with pre-orders beginning on Friday. By the way, it's worth noting that is a $30 price bump. Now, on to the iPad. The M1 chip is coming to the iPad Air. That means up to 60% faster performance than the A14 chip, two times faster graphics, etc., etc., But notable that the iPad Air now has the same chip as the iPad Pro, which makes me wonder what the Pro is for now, at least the 11-inch version of the iPad Pro. The iPad Air gets a 12-megapixel ultrawide front-facing camera, and with that, center stage comes to the iPad for the first time, that feature that keeps you in the frame as you move around. 5G is also coming to the iPad Air. It's got a USB-C port again, but it's still not a Thunderbolt port. It is still compatible with the Magic Keyboard, the Smart Keyboard, and second-generation Apple Pencils. iMovie got a shout-out, so... Is that new for iPads? iMovie coming to iPads? It's not new, is it? Still no Face ID for this iPad Air, but you do get 64 and 256 gigabyte configurations. The price is still the same, starting at $599. Pre-orders begin on Friday, March 18th availability. And then, again, blazing through everything onto the Mac. Say hello to a new chip the M1 Ultra. This is, according to Apple's John Ternus, designed for the desktop. Apple says the M1 Ultra is built out of two M1 Max dies interconnected by some magic that Apple went into, something called UltraFusion. So I guess the M1 Ultra chip is two M1 Max chips pasted together. It's a 5 nanometer process. It connects over 10k signals and 2.5 terabits per second bandwidth between the dies. It lets two M1 chips behave like a single chip, at least from a software perspective. So from a software perspective, the software thinks this is one chip, not two. The memory bandwidth is increased to 800 gigabits per second, a 20 core CPU, 16 high performance cores, and four high performance cores as well. It supports 128 gigabits of unified memory, a 64-core GPU. Apple says it's eight times faster than the M1 chip. They say it uses 65% less power than a 16-core desktop. So, where to use this badass new chip? Well, how about in the studio? This is something totally new. Get ready. It's called Mac Studio. Imagine a taller Mac Mini. This is the Mac Mini Pro that we had heard rumors of. It comes alongside also a new studio display. Let's begin with the Mac Studio. It has ports, including a friggin' SD card slot on the front, plus two USB-C ports on the front. Think about this. Not only did we get Apple to give us ports back on our laptops, but now they're putting ports on the front of a desktop again. Easy to reach, Apple says. I guess, depending on where you put it, but also solving a problem that Apple itself created, as they always do. Anyway, the Mac Studio is 3.7 inches tall, 7.7 inches wide and deep. It has two fans that pull air from the bottom and out through 2,000 perforations on the back. And did I say ports? Forget the front. On the back, you get four USB-C 4 ports, a 10 gigabit Ethernet port, two USB-A ports, an HDMI, and a headphone jack, Wi-Fi 6 and Bluetooth 5 as well. You can connect up to four monitors to this and a TV to top it all off. Apple says Mac Studio with an M1 Max is 50% faster than a Mac Pro with a 16-core Xeon chip. What about Ultra? Well, an M1 Ultra will get you 3.8 times faster speeds than the 27-inch iMac with a 10-core i9. Apple says the M1 Ultra is 60% faster than a 28-core Mac Pro. The M1 Ultra is up to 80% faster than a top-of-the-line Mac Pro, and you can get up to an 8 terabyte SSD capacity. Apple says you can do 18 streams on this bad boy of 8K ProRes 422 video. Well, now, they've split the display from the computer, so they can get you to pay more, of course, but what about this display, the studio display. It looks like one of those newer iMacs. It's very thin, but, you know, it's also without a computer inside. It looks a lot like the Pro Display XDR 27-inch display. It's got 5K, 208 pixels per inch, 600 nits of brightness, true tone, and anti-reflective coating. But by the way, it does have an A13 Bionic chip inside, so I was wrong this does have a computer inside of it. It's got a 12-megapixel front camera with center stage coming to the Mac for the first time as well, six speakers, four woofers, two tweeters, spatial audio support. And hey, there are ports on this as well. Three USB-C ports and one Thunderbolt port. This allows you to fast charge a 14-inch MacBook Pro from the display because it has 96 watts of power. What do you think this will run you? Well, get ready. The Mac Studio with an M1 Max starts at 2000 bucks. A Mac Studio with an M1 Ultra will run you $4,000 for the base model. And then the Studio display is $1,600. Both can be ordered today with availability on March 18th. So if you combined the base units of both, you're talking about starting at $3,600. $1,600 is a lot for a 27-inch screen. Again, I might want to go for one of those 40-inch wraparound screens that are available for the same price. Though, remember, Studio Display gets you an A13 chip inside of it, so you're basically getting an entire iPhone brain inside your display. And that was it. Well, I got my Mac Mini Pro, I guess. It's called the Mac Studio. And frankly, the ports options alone make me want to consider this. Time to crunch some numbers once I get this episode out to you. Whenever I need to do financial research for this show, for instance, during tech earnings season when I have to analyze how various companies' stocks have been performing... on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. In other news, Google plans to acquire cybersecurity company Mandiant, for around $5.4 billion, or $23 a share, with the deal closing later in 2022. Mandiant will join Google Cloud as a useful addition to their utility belt. Quoting The Verge, Mandiant's operations, which draw on the work of more than 600 security consultants and more than 300 intelligence analysts, will be folded into Google Cloud to create an end-to-end security operations suite. A range of services will be offered from consulting on cybersecurity to detecting upcoming threats and testing companies' digital defenses. Mandiant is perhaps best known for uncovering the devastating SolarWinds attack, a massive operation thought to be sponsored by the Russian government that compromised computers across the U.S. federal government. The attack went unnoticed for the best part of a year until Mandiant reported details of the operation in December 2020. Previously, Microsoft had been rumored as a potential buyer of Mandiant. Microsoft and Google have been competing to control the lucrative cloud services market, where cybersecurity plays an increasingly prominent role." End quote. And obviously somewhat related, Cloudflare, CrowdStrike, and Ping Identity have formed the Critical Infrastructure Defense Project, offering their services to U.S. hospitals and utilities for free, quoting Silicon Angle. The project is designed to enhance defenses against critical areas of enterprise risk. Under the project, eligible organizations will have access to the full suite of CloudFlare zero-trust security solutions, endpoint protection and intelligence services from CrowdStrike, and zero-trust identity solutions from Ping Identity. In addition, in collaboration with core partners across the public sector, the project will also offer an easy-to-follow roadmap that businesses in any industry can use to implement step-by-step security measures to defend themselves from cyber attacks. The security features available to organizations through the Critical Infrastructure Defense Project provide a zero-trust model for securing networks, endpoints, and identities of organizations and critical threat intelligence for teams at risk of attack. Hospitals and water and power utilities in the U.S. are encouraged to apply to be part of the program. We rely on our infrastructure to power our homes, to provide access to water and basic necessities, and to maintain critical access to health care, Matthew Prince, co-founder and chief executive officer of Cloudflare, said in a statement. That's why it's more important than ever for the security industry to band together and ensure that our most critical industries are protected and prepared. George Kurtz, co-founder and CEO of CrowdStrike, noted that, quote, this is first and foremost a public service initiative to secure the endpoints and data of some of the most important critical infrastructure entities in the country, end quote. Amazon has launched an app called AMP, A-M-P, that lets people host live radio shows, take calls, and play tracks licensed to Amazon Music quoting TechCrunch. Amazon's Clubhouse competitor has arrived. The retail giant on Tuesday launched a new mobile app called Amp, which allows people to create live radio shows where they can act as a DJ by taking callers and playing tracks from Amazon Music's tens of millions of licensed songs, ranging from classic titles to today's music. The app is available in a limited US beta, Amazon says. It's easy to share your voice and favorite songs with the world on Amp, reads the app's description on the App Store. Decide on a show title, create a playlist, and you're just seconds away from streaming your own radio show, the page says. The new app, which was previously reported by The Verge when in development under the name Project Mike, represents Amazon's somewhat belated entry into the live audio market. While the app Clubhouse led the way by establishing a new format for live audio interactions, The idea has since been spun out into numerous competitors, each with their own angle, including Twitter's Spaces, Facebook's Live Audio Rooms, Spotify's Green Room, and those from smaller startups like the Mark Cuban-backed Fireside or David Sachs-backed Call-In. However, for the most part, these clubhouse rivals have focused on talk, like live podcasts. Amazon's AMP differentiates itself by providing access out of the gate to the broader Amazon Music catalog. That means AMP users can play DJ, streaming and chatting about their favorite songs and artists to establish themselves as a creator, or they can use the app to talk about anything else like sports or pop culture, for example, but do so while also curating a selection of music for their listeners and taking live callers. According to AMP's App Store description, creators will also be able to pre-plan and schedule their shows, alert listeners to their upcoming shows, control who speaks when taking live callers, and more. Notably, creators do not have to pay the labels when accessing the music for their show. The app's listing notes, that's being covered, it seems. Amazon announced the news of Amp's arrival via a blog post where the company mentioned that its catalog of tens of millions of licensed songs includes those by Universal Music Group, Sony Music Entertainment, Warner Music Group, and other independent music companies such as Beggars Group, Believe, CD Baby, and Pias, with more being added. As part of the beta, Amp is also announcing a slate of upcoming shows from Nicki Minaj, who will soon bring the return of her show Queen Radio to Amp. Other shows are from Pusha T, singer-songwriter Tanashi, electronic artist and violinist Lindsey Sterling, Travis Barker, Little Yachty, and Big Boy, well-known personalities Teffi Pessoa and Nikita Dragon, popular radio hosts Zach Sang, Kat Cobert, Christian James Hand, and Guy Raz, and writers from music and culture publication The Fader, Amazon says, end quote. And finally today, Samsung, Lenovo, and Microsoft have committed to shipping Android 12L, featuring optimizations for tablets and foldables for some of their devices later this year. What is Android 12L? Quoting The Verge. Android 12L is the new version of Android designed to be better optimized for tablets and foldable devices. Google's VP of Engineering for Android, Andre Popescu, announced the news in a blog post saying that 12L would ship to devices from the three companies later this year. Lenovo isn't a surprise since its P12 Pro tablet can already run a beta version of Android 12L. It's not exactly clear which devices from the other two companies will get the update. Presumably Microsoft Surface Duo 2 is one of them. While any number of Samsung Galaxy Tab tablets or Z Fold phones could potentially benefit from the new software, Android 12L has various features designed to make better use of bigger screens. There's a new notification shade that separates quick tiles and notifications into separate columns, a two-column layout for settings and the setup process, and a taskbar that lets you select apps to run side-by-side. 12L is a dedicated new version of Android that will only come to certain tablets and foldable devices, but it sounds like future mainline Android releases will include its UI improvements. We'll continue to build more features and functionalities to help you make the most of your larger screen devices in Android 13 and beyond, Popescu writes, end quote. nothing for you today so that I can get this out to you ASAP. Talk to you tomorrow.